Catch you later. Thanks, lads, as always. Merry Christmas, everybody. All the best. Merry Christmas. What the hell was that? Guess who's back? Back, back, back again. Shady's back. Tell a friend. Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Hello and welcome back to the What The Fork Sunderland Review Show. The welcome return of Ross Stewart meant 10-man Sunderland left Hull on Saturday with an all-important point, though the performance perhaps left us with more questions than answers as we gradually get back into the swing of things after the World Cup break. As you may expect, the usual suspects are back to run over the 1-1 draw with Hull. First and foremost, Dave, how are we doing? Are you alright? Yeah, very well, Yeah, very well. Just uh, getting, getting ready for the Christmas period, but all good. And one man who... Unbeknown to everyone listening to this, because it's not a video podcast, unfortunately, he looks superbly ready for Christmas, is uh, Brad, who's currently dressed as Santa Claus. <laughs> you all right, Brad? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Um, like you just said, I'm in the Christmas spirit now. I had a good day out with the kids and the family. And uh, yeah, ready to talk about Sunland as well. How's the, uh, how's the reindeer doing, all right? Ah, he's not too bad. He's 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 ready to go. Just one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I ate the rest. But you had a call. <laughs> like the Tories with the badges. Um Dave, I'll come to you first. Obviously, it's um a one-one draw hold. It's not exactly the most riveting thing we've ever seen in our life, but uh, how do you feel about the results sort of five, six hours later? Yeah, I th- I think ultimately we didn't play that well, did we? But um yeah, a bit flat, a bit despondent with it, really. But at the same time, in the grand scheme of things, for the way it went, um, a point isn't a bad result. It's it's a shame that we didn't make it a little bit more difficult for them and, and keep that 1-0 for a little bit longer. But I suppose the heartbreak would have hurt even more if they'd equalised in the 88th minute as when they did. Um, but, yeah, the big positive is... Well, people are going to think, I'm going to say, the big positive is the return of Ross Stewart, when in actual fact, the big positive is I get to rant and rave about how much I love Ross Stewart again on this podcast. So, yeah, just love the bloke. Just give him the keys to the city or something. Let let alone the contract, just give him keys to the city. Brad, same question to you. Obviously, it it wasn't the most riveting of performances, but um, for balance, it was a point with 10 men. What do you make of the performance after the game? Uh, a bit like Dale, I thought the performance wasn't the best. Um, but ultimately, when you play near enough the whole second half with 10 men and you come away with a point, it's it's a point gained, really. Because um, let's face it, I mean, points in that second half were right under the cosh. It was even like uh, we were trying to press from the front and you could see Corey Evans, Danny and Frankie alluded to it. Corey Evans was trying to push them 10 yards further up because we were sitting deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, well, credit to them, they dug in. I mean, without being a great performance, the lads actually dug in, came away with a well-deserved point. So, like Dave said, there's a good few positives to pick up on that. Um, I know the, the main talking point is the return of Ross Stewart, but I thought Dan Ballard done well when he came back in the side. I can't complain too much in some ways. I try to remain 
because it was a, it was a poor performance. Um, and we'll get on to that a little bit because obviously you can't completely gloss over it. But I don't know. I think I was thinking at the end of last season when we got promoted and there were some really awful moments in it. When you sit back and you look at like the the results, that's what you look at rather than the performance. Um, and ultimately, like that's all that really matters. And I think a point with ten men, you, you'll probably take it. It's if we follow this up with a load of horrible results, that's when obviously things start changing. But we'll, we'll get into that later on. I think we've touched on it already, Dave, a little bit. Um, I, I think honestly, we've waited for it for weeks and weeks and weeks for for Ross Stewart to come back. I, I've lost count the amount of times we've discussed when Ross Stewart comes back. What will happen when Ross Stewart comes back? He, he's back. He scores after fourteen minutes. And like it was a great finish. The way he's just waited for the, the keeper to jump and then put it underneath him. He's took the piss, if we're honest. He took the piss. Um but how much is it, how much of a relief is it to sort of see him back, Dave, for for you as in specific? Massive, mate. He, listen, we know exactly what he gives us, the the mobility, the the workmanship. Listen, he considering he only had what, twenty five minutes or something a day. He's had a run out, he's he looked fresh. He looked fit. Um, I, I just think he's. I just think all round he's. He's a very good footballer. He's a very good footballer who can who can play at the top of this division, and uh, like I, I dare say the peak keep progressing. He can, he can have a go in the Premier League as well. So yeah, I've I haven't changed my opinion on that since the first time I saw him against Plymouth in League One uh, last year. I sorry, two seasons ago. Um yeah, I I just haven't got a negative to say about him. Uh okay. His injury record possibly isn't great, but yeah, I think it just proves to you we still look dangerous with ten men with him on the on the pitch. You know, look at the goal that he scored against Chef Wed in the semi final first leg. He's just massive to us. He's massive to the way we play. Yeah, I love the bloke a bit, but we already know that, didn't we? Yeah, I, I agree. And and you're right, he's he's career for over his career, his injury record's not been that great, but it's something that's been fabulous up until this injury, which is just coincidental in it. But I think um I just think everything he did with that move was just like that's what we've been missing for months. Just someone that'll just A put a chance away, B give you that out ball, B work his arse for the team. And I just think I mean at danger of sounding like I'm a Ross Stewart fan over a Sunderland fan, I just think he's class. Um, I think he's far better than we ever thought he could be, and that's I think he's sixth goal in eight games in Championship now. I dread to think how many goals he would have scored if he wasn't out for the best part of three months. But um, Brad, before we completely go into the uh, Ross Stewart realm of podcast, which we sometimes normally do, how pleased do you see him back? I'm delighted, mate. Um, and not just from an attacking point of view. I mean, how many balls in the box did they put in? Corners especially, where Ross Stewart's got his head on it. And we knew that's what he does. He gives you that extra man in defence. Um, but, I mean, touching on his goal as well, like you say, it was a great ball by Patrick Roberts. But it was very similar to the Stoke goal. Um, he's managed just to ball over the top. And it's a great finish. I mean, it's on the it's on the bounce, and the keeper. I think everyone and every player really is just going to love that over the keeper where he's come. He's committed the keeper to jump and he's slotted underneath, and 
that's that that's a player just coming back from three and a half, four months out. And it's like he's never been missing. Like for, for how <laughs> for how cool you put that away. Um and it wasn't just like just the finish and it wasn't just as, as I said the, the defensive work you seen when we we had that out ball and he was just he was winning it and bringing Roberts into it he was holding it up switching the play and that's everything Ross Stewart brings he's massive to us he, he is absolutely massive um, the club have really got to look at it now and offer him a, a deal that he's happy with because if we lose him mate I know we've done alright this season I mean we're halfway through and we've played three quarters of this half of a season without him um, and we're sat mid-table and like we're, we're we're doing absolutely fine they have to look at it and think where would we be if we had someone like Ross Stewart and Ross Stewart was playing that, can we kick on the second half of the season we've played everyone in the league this season and no one's really blew us away if we had Ross Stewart I mean there's, there's been games where we've maybe lost by a goal or it's been a draw like the two at home would stick out as Preston and Blackpool they turn them into wins. And yeah, I mean, we can wax a little about Ross. We, we could sit on this podcast for an hour and talk about Ross Stewart on his return playing 25 minutes today. But that just shows how important he is. There was a, a wonderful feeling of, because um, obviously it wasn't on the red button today. Cheers, Sky. Uh, false advertisement. Advertisement? Advertisement. Um, false advertising is what I meant to say. Um, but like, when they came up that would scored, I just before they even said it was Ross Stewart, I was like, that's Ross Stewart. I just knew if we were down to ten men, there was one person that was going to be able to put the ball in the back of the net, and that was him. Um, but Barrett, I'll stay with you on this one because I think um it is a debate and it, it even happened today. Obviously, I was delighted that Ross came back and Ross scored, and I think you only have to look at my timeline or the what the fog timeline to see. Uh, I love a bit of Ross Stewart, and I think I mentioned something about the contract, which is natural. And there's two trains of thoughts with it. And, and both, you know, both are valid. Like, I'm not going to deny that. And that's not me just trying to be a nice bloke. It's, there, there has to be balance there. I think there's some people that, you know, the contract's there. If he wants to sign it, he'll sign it. We've offered him the best that we can do without breaking the wage structure. And we've got to have the wage structure because of things that have happened with Sunderland in the past and you can't make other players unhappy. And then it's a thought process that I have where I think, we need to offer him enough to make sure he's happy and we need to make sure we don't lose him for pennies um, and let his contract run down. F- for me, he's far too important. And I, I asked you the week if he was irreplaceable and a lot of people, once you slammed the comment, they were, they were pretty fair and said, you know, everyone's replaceable. And I, I guess that's a valid point. But for me, Ross, for what he brings, the quality he's got, and you've seen that in 25 minutes, he's been on the pitch after being out for three months. I think he, I think he is irreplaceable. I don't think it's going to be that easy to replace. I think he's got eight assists and nearly 30 plus goals in the past season and a bit. Um, I don't know how you replace that. Um, we might have to, but I, I just think it's absolutely vital that we offer him something that's that's fair. I mean, if he's asked, you know what, if he's asking for 50 grand a week, fair enough, I get it. We can't stretch that. I understand that. But I just get the feeling that, like, if it's, like, 16 to 20 grand, we, we need to just push for that, Brad. But but which side of the fence are you on? Do you think we need to stick with a model and, and not break that bank? Or I don't know if he's even asking for us to break the bank, Brad, to be honest. But, like, let's assume he he wants more than what we're offering. That's why he hasn't signed a contract. Do we need to offer him more because of his importance? 
Well, I think the negotiations need to take a little bit of a step up now because with the window looming, and we've obviously got that whole, it might extend at the end of the season, yada, yada, yada. Wait, what, what price do we get for him? However, if the difference in, let's say, like you said, they are offering him 20 grand. Oh, he's asking for 20 grand, sorry, and we're sticking around 10. You've got to maybe meet halfway on both ends. If it, if if the, if what uh, Speakman and people like that are saying is true, where Ross wants to stay and the club want them, they've got to find a happy medium. They've got to do it quick because the longer it drags on, the more uncertainty and the more it gives his agent the power to start looking around and say, we can get you another top-end championship club and they're going to give X amount of sign-on bonus. You know what I mean? And he's not a young lad. He's at the age now really where he's got to be looking out for himself for his long-term career. Football is a short career and they need to get as much out of it as they can. So, from a Sunderland point of view, I hope they got his signs and I hope the club can see how important he is and sort of get the negotiations right without absolutely like blowing the, the, the model out of the water. If it means deviating ever so slightly, it's a, that's a chance worth taking. Um, it's too important for me to lose. If he does go, uh, if they don't want to face a backlash, it's, it's going to be anything below 10 million and they're going to, I think the Sunderland fans are going to be really, really angry. Because like you said, I mean, if you, if you think of strikers in the past that we've had for next to nothing and have proved to be outstanding, I mean, the last one you look back at, in my eyes, without obviously saying a swap deal for Defoe for Alador, would be Kevin Phillips. So you're talking 25-year and that's another gem that we've had. Can we go and find another one? I mean, they've done it once. Can they do it again? Possibly. But that's a big risk because if they do lose him and they don't get it right and it derails us, they they will see a backlash from the fans. And I don't want that to happen because there is a good feeling at the minute. And if it's something over, you're talking, in the grand scheme, I know for us, if it's £5,000 a week, (laughs) for me, you knew that's absolute mind-blowing money. In the scheme of things, from a football perspective and how football works these days, is it is it really worth losing a player like that over that five grand? And hey, look, if he signs that extra contract and he gets another three-year deal and we're not even close to the playoffs next at this time next season, he's going to be worth more because he, he will be scoring goals still. And if he wants to back himself this time next season, if we're not in the round there because of an extra contract length that he might have, we'll get that money back teams will pay it. Bottom end Premier League teams, top end championship teams will pay it at this time of the season. Yeah. I, the club I, have to really wait. I, I think I've I've been really clear on what my thoughts are on, on Ross and, and that the fact he should be given a new contract. That values what he's brought to the club. I just think I like Ellis Sims, but you could see it took him a few weeks to come back and Ross came back and just looked like he was the player that we had in September. I think I just think he's just far too valuable, but it's you know it's not going to be in our hands, unfortunately. And we're just here to do a, a blooming podcast and just hope and pray. But Dave, I won't even ask you your opinion on that because I know you're going to say check him a hundred grand a week. I know what your answer will be, but um, no, I, mate. I, I think ultimately on that, just just before you move on, I think ultimately all you've got to do is listen. They've said for years that clubs struggle to find goal scorers, and I believe one of the comments that came out at the time when people talked about the contracts and whatever, 
I think Speakman came around and said, listen, or, and might have even been um, backed up by Tony Mowbray. But they came out and said, listen, we can't break that wage structure because then we're going to have people knocking on the door. The simple fact of the matter is you give your best players the biggest wages, just the same as in a work of in a place of work, the people who have the more responsibility, the people who have the more demands on them, they get paid more than the people who are down at the bottom. And and that's just natural in any workplace. Now, listen, everyone was worried, not necessarily about the footballer, but everyone was worried when Charlie White left because he'd scored 30 goals in the season. Now, Ross Stewart has come from nowhere and scored 27, was it? So, you know, he's come from nowhere and everyone's forgetting about Charlie White because not only has he scored 27 goals, but the games where he hasn't scored, he's contributed to the team in in massive ways. To replace that is ridiculous. So surely you look at all the, the rest of the teams. Now, I think in terms of wage structure in the championship, the the one team that will probably stick out as spending the mega bucks, if that's how you want to put it, will probably be Watford. Now, let's say a Watford came sniffing along and they would break their pay structure. I think that's what they would do. I don't think there's many other teams would do it, but I think they would. Now, if they came along for Ross Stewart, and I don't think they need him um, or would be interested in him, but if they did and they would say offering 20 grand, um, from there, like Brad said, if we're offering 10, I think you look at the way that he reacted to the goal today, which a lot of it is probably frustration from himself uh, and releasing that frustration, but also the way he reacted to his teammates, to his fans. He's clearly happy with what he does and, and where he's at. Now, if our peer structure allows 10 grand and Watford would offer 20, I don't think Ross Stewart would want to move down to the other end of the country. I think he'd quite happily stay with us, but he'd want paying fairly. So even an extra four grand, 14 grand for, for someone like Ross Stewart, because who are you going to replace him with? You you know, if, if you've got, you're going to go and have to get an unknown and ultimately getting an unknown on, let's say, six grand a week, you're going to go and get them. They're totally unproven. And with the greatest will in the world, this is a much better league than League One was. So they're going to have to, they're not going to have 18 months to bed in and become a decent footballer. They're going to have to get there straight away. And I just don't see the disadvantages to paying the extra for Ross Stewart. And we're, we're talking, we're talking as if we know the situation here. But, I just don't see any disadvantages to offering them a couple of grand more, even if it does break our pay structure. For me, and just to kind of clarify, I understand that the viewpoint is that, well, this regime brought in Ross Stewart, why couldn't they do it again? I'm, I'm not discounting that, I think. And I've been... I think I, I'd like to think I've been in the middle, but I think, if anything, I can understand people thinking I've been a bit harsh on Speakman, and that's fair enough. That would be that would be okay, because I think now I'm, when I look at the transfers he's brought in and how they've done from where we were when where he was at where when he first came where we were at when he first came in sorry I'm like well fair enough actually like maybe I have been a bit harsh but I just think it's really 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 hard to replace someone that's been as much of, of a success for Ross Stewart and like you I don't think it's the 
I don't think it's worth the risk for for a little bit of um, money, which it might be. I mean, again, we don't know. Um, but but Dave, I'll stick with you regarding something someone else that came back today, which I think um was really important. Obviously, Dan Ballard came back today, which I think, to be fair, we've probably forgot the fact that we brought in essentially an Arsenal youth team player that had performed in the championship already and allegedly cost us there or thereabouts two million pounds. He came back today and I, and I know he gave the penalty away, but I think I'm not going to touch on it wall in agreement that wasn't a penalty, I think. Um so I'm not going to blame him for that. Fit in quite well, looked all right. He's going to be a huge plus to come back, isn't he, Dave? Possibly, mate. Yeah. You know, it's probably another another testament towards the regime and and the business that we're trying to do. Um, he fits in with the model perfectly well um, in terms of he's going to bring success to us because he's a classy player, but also got a high resaleable value if we don't get to where we as fans want to be or where the club want us to be in X amount of years. Um, so, yeah, I thought he did. I thought maybe there was times he was a little bit rusty, um, but oh, that's perfectly natural. Um yeah, the ball seemed to clearly go off in a different direction for me. I think Danny Danny Collins said he thought it was a penalty straight away. Mate, listen, it's great. It's It's been interesting. I wish we didn't have the vitriol that we have, but it's been interesting hearing people's decisions on things, opinions on the decisions today, because uh, going on the red card, which I'm sure you're going to hit at some point, for me it was a red card. Um, I understand the point of view of other people who said it wasn't, but especially that first camera angle that you see, which is exactly what the referee's seen, and you've got to give him that credit. That's what he sees. He doesn't see the second angle, which I must admit, even for me, who is a staunch believer that it was a red card, that second angle does give you more doubt, and I can understand why people think it's not a red card. Um, so yeah, it's been great hearing people's opinions on it and stuff like that. But it it should be why we all love football, really. Um, but nice to start. Well, nice to start getting people back until other people get bloody injured or suspended. I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Brad, I'm going to throw this question at you. The fact that Ballard came back is lovely, but it meant that Danny Barr had to get injured in that kind of annoying, typical something thing to happen. Um, we all touched on it, I think, in the mid-season review. And we, I think we all said Danny Bart was our player of the year. I can't quite remember 100% if I was right on that, but I'm pretty sure we all put Danny Bart as number one or number two at the very least. He's been vital this season. Um, he's been absolutely massive, but it's, it sounds weird after praising him so highly, but looking at the defence... Um, Obviously, you've got Dan Ballard's now back. O'Neill's been playing really, really well, Brad, and he is a centre-half. I think Tony Mowbray says he's going to view him as that. Bailey's due back. We're apparently in for Ryan Porteous. And Adji is, for me, a centre-half, not a left-back. Um, with that strength we've got at centre-half, do you still think we'll miss Danny Barr, or do you think we've got enough to kind of cover his presence if it's um, not too long-term? In a short, yes, we would miss him if it's long term. And the main reason being the players that you've named, yeah, fantastic. They, they were all really good. One thing they don't have is the experience that Danny Bart has. But any of them players alongside Danny Bart, he raises their game from a six to a seven. Bailey has the experience, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, possibly. But as we know, 
Bailey is Bailey's really cover for Danny Bart without being the same type of player. He's not as good as. No, I mean, don't get us wrong. Bailey, he'll come in, he'll do a job for one or two games if when you need him. Love Bailey, right? I can't really knock the lad. He's since he's been with us, he. It seems like he's a good fit in the dressing room. When he doesn't play, he doesn't soak. He seems to get the lads going. So, yeah, great. Uh, the one worry I had today was thinking if 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 Danny Bart's going to be out for a prolonged period of time, our centre-half parent is going to be vastly inexperienced because I think Tony Mowbray starts Ballard over, over uh, Bailey Wright. Um. I don't think he sees him as the immediate like for like. Now we've got these these players back, then then you lose that experience at the in the, in the, at the center of the defense. I'm hoping, um, and I think I'll put this in the group that they've maybe done it as precautionary because it looked like a muscle injury, and if they say, look, if we bring him off now, it might only be a week or so. Listen, we've got three games in the space of seven days coming up. It, was it worth missing them for the for an extra period a day? If the, if if that is the case, where it's only going to be maybe it's the Blackburn games out for, to, or do you risk him for the rest of the day and then look yeah, without it, without our looking at our injury record, he's out for three months. It, it was a good call in my opinion, and like you've just said there, I know we've waxed a little bit about Danny Bart this season and Dan Ballard's come back into the side. He, he was he was fine, done well first game back, bit of cramp at the end. But for me, Luke O'Nine was absolutely outstanding again. He just that that boy will will like he'll jump in front of a train for Sunderland if you ask him to. Um, he was he gets his head on nearly everything. Um, he did turn into a bit of a leader for me. I I, I seen that when when he went off, he sort of puffed his chest out and thought, you know what, I'm the experience at the back now in this team. Um, but yeah, I mean. We can only speculate what's what's going on with Danny Bart at the moment. I'm, I'm guessing it'll be he'll get a scan. It'll be this week. We'll find out. And let's just hope it's only a week, two at the most. He might be out if it's two weeks. It's going to be four games, really. Um, I agree with you. I agree with you on 09. Um, that I thought it was a header the way he cleared it, but that clearance today where the lad was just about like headed in and he gets his boot in the way. It's like it's so unorthodox, but. I mean, we all came into this season and said the same about 9 maybe not being the quality that we might need and he'd be a decent squad player. And he's turned into one of our most important players again. He's, he's just done it again. He just consistently does it. He turns into a player that is just so vital to the starting eleven, not just the squad. And, and yet he gets spoke about like a good squad player and people say, oh, you know, I'd put him maybe at, at right back or... I do this. That's, and... that's what I was going to say. It's like, let's just say Danny Bart didn't get injured today. And next game, we've got the likes of Aji Sergin, O'Neill, Bart, Ballard. And where do you fit them? For me, as much as he has surprised a few people, he has been a bit of an improved this season. Um, I would be putting Luke O'Neill right back because I just don't think Lyndon Gooch is good enough. I know he he puts he, he runs about he, he does he does do some good things at times, but I think it was against Swansea he was caught out of position for their goals. Today I think he's maybe he's been a bit flat-footed. Um, 
hasn't got in front of his man. I know he put his head on one at near the end where a lad was coming in around the back. Great, got his head on it. Should have been really there in the first instance. For me, as much as Luke's been good at centre-half, I think his best season for us was at right-back and I would love to see him back there. Because he, 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 you've got to think as well, we brought him in from the League 2 club as a number 10 <laughs> and he's dropped deeper and deeper. There is a, he is, in his own mind, he thinks he's a midfielder. And he knows he, he he likes to bring the ball out. And at right back, you have the luxury that you can do that. And I, I'm not sure, actually. Right? I've been thinking lately. I'm scrambling now. Is Luke O'Neill predominantly right-footed or left-footed? Because he puts some balls around that pitch with his left foot, which are absolutely phenomenal. He's done it both. the other night against West Brom. He was pinging them 80 yards with his left foot. And he's, he's done both. it again today. He, he's, he is good. And... Look, if we play a back three, he plays in the back three for me. But if Ballard and Bart are both back, I think they are your first two choice centre-halves, as good as Luke's been. But you can't take Luke out of the side, and I will put him right back, in my personal opinion. See, I, I would have him centre-back. I think he's centre-half. I, I don't I don't think he can be moved out of that position at the minute. Although, if we were to move him out of the position, right-back would be where I'd move him to. There's, um, there's a lot said within football how about natural goal scorers and naturally creative players and stuff. And you speak to any respectable centre-half over the years and they'll tell you that defending's an art. It's a desire. It's a passion. And Luke just seems to have that. Listen, we all know that I was never his greatest fan. But to be fair, this year at centre-half, he's massively impressed me. And whether that's because he's genius or whether it's because he's a little bit silly... I'm not quite sure which one it is, but ultimately he just lives and breathes for it. And and as you'd have as you'd have seen with Wayne Rooney, who lives for having the ball at his feet and and trying tricks and doing this, that, and everything with the ball at his feet. Luke just loves getting in the way of the ball, whether it's with his head, whether it's with his chest. He just absolutely has a passion for getting in the way and stopping other people. And Long may that continue, to be fair. I've said it before about Luke. And um, for me, I know some people just don't rate him, and, and that's all right. But for me, he like embodies everything that I want to see as a Sunderland player. I can't speak for an entire fan base. There's far too many opinions around, so I can't tell you what defines a Sunderland player that like fans want to see. But what I want to see, at the bare minimum, is what Luke Nine provides every single week, and I think he offers a bit more than just a bare minimum. But I could I could talk all day about Luke Nine. I love him. Um, he's one of my favorite players in the team, and for me, he's one of the first names on the team sheet, and, and he continued to surprise me in random positions across the pitch. Um, I think one thing's for certain is none of us were that sure whether he would get in the team this season. He would just add to the squad, maybe play fifteen to twenty games, and I think we can all say now whether you think he should be right back or centre half. He should be one of the first teams on the team sheet, I think. Um, for us, for our opinion, you're allowed to have a different opinion on that if you'd like. Um, moving away from that slightly, Dave, you touched on it a bit. I'll give my thoughts on the Embleton red card because I've stewed on it for six hours and I still can't decide. If I'm completely honest with you, I think it's stupid from Embleton to do what he did. I think he gave the referee decision. And I think that's the worst part for me because it's the one part that, as a team, you can control. Just go for it with your head. Like... I think he catches the lad. I don't think the the way the lad goes down like he's been shot by a sniper was that badly hurt. I mean, I've seen people get kicked in the balls and have 
less theatrics than that. Do I think it was silly where he put his boot up? And I think the first, the first angle looks, it doesn't look vicious. It doesn't look great, but I don't think it looks vicious. I don't think it looks like actual bodily harm. Do you know what I mean? Not to me. And then the second angle for me, the more I watch it, the more I just say, nah, nah, it's not. So up until I've just discussed it now, I haven't really made my mind up on it, which some people would say, well, if you can't make your mind up on it, then it must be a red card. But I'm going to cheat. I'm going to say no. I'm going to go opposite of Dave because because Dave said it is. I'm going to swing the other side and say I don't think it is. Um, and it's based on the second angle. I kind of agree with what Dave said. For me, the second angle doesn't warrant a red card. It's stupid. It's daft. It's a little bit silly. I'm more annoyed at Embleton for giving the referee decision, but I don't think it's a red card. Um I just think it's a coming together and he's gone in awkwardly. Unfortunately, it looks like he's snapped his ankle or something when he's landed down. He's done something to his ankle because you can see his left foot the way it goes down. So for Elliot's daft tackle, which he's prone to sometimes making silly tackles that he doesn't need to make, he's unfortunately going to pay for it. But obviously, we all wish him well and, and hope he gets well soon and hope it's not too serious. But but Brad, what was your thought on it? Because it's, it's created quite a lot of discussion, which... I guess it's perfect for something like this, isn't it? So, <laughs> I, <coughs> are you going to say it's an orange one again? <laughs> <laughs> it's always M button that makes my orange card it? out, isn't it? Um, the way I'm looking at fouls at the minute, mate, right? And it's stupid to do it this way, but it's the only way I can really. If VAR was there, would they have overturned it? No. If he hadn't sent them off, would VAR talk them to go and look at the the screen, no, they'd have probably stuck with the on-field decision because it wasn't a clear and obvious error. The referees went with what he's thought. And the more I've seen it, I'm going to, as much as it pains me to say, I'm going to agree with Dave because, and the only reason I am going to is... you're a f***ing traitor. <laughs> although he left his eye on the ball and he probably didn't know the lad was coming in like that. Ultimately, he's in danger of player. He's in danger of opponent by yeah. jumping with his studs that high. Mm. And he and you can say he didn't jump that high. At the end of the day, he's caught him in his midriff, like stomach area, maybe his hip, I don't know. He's endangered an opponent. And in the letter of the law, if that's what the referee also says, he goes. Unfortunately, that's the angle that the referee's seen. And I mean, the second angle for me, at first I was actually just coming together. But the second angle, I did see it. And I was like, hmm... I'm not going to slate the ref for giving that. Would I have been screaming at the telly or if I was at the game screaming at the ref? If it was the opposite way and they, they one of their lads came in on us, I'd have probably been like, oh, hang on. I've got to be balanced. And for me, referee gets one look at it. And the way he's saying it is he's endangered an opponent by raising his feet and going in like that. I'm not going to disagree with it, but I'm also going to say it's an orange card because that's what I do. I mean, I can see why it's given. Don't get me wrong. On first glance, the lad who was on, who I thought was great during the week, um, and from um, the Holland back, he was, he was excellent. I thought it'd be interesting to listen to their podcasters, get their viewpoints on it and stuff as well. He said, oh, surely that's a red. And the first replay I saw was just the one angle. I went, yeah, it's a red card. But then the more I watched it, it was the second one that kind of swung me off. But I mean, either way, it's not even worth talking about whether it's worth us getting rescinded. He looks like he's hurt his ankle and he's going to be out for a bit. I hope I hope that's not the case for Elliot because I really like him more. I know some people don't, but I think statistically, if you look at what he's brought over the past season and a bit, he obviously offers something. Um, 
moving on to sort of Monday's game, Brad, is it Monday? Yeah, it is. Against Blackburn. Um, the last two performances haven't been great. And I, and I think, to be fair, there's a few times on this podcast where we've said, like, look, if we've had a bad performance, we've reacted quite well. Or if we've had a poor first half, we've reacted quite well. If we've had a second half that hasn't been great, we've had a good first half or good game the next game. I think the last two games, the second half especially, the last 15 minutes of the West Brom game, and I think pretty much 80-odd minutes of today until Roscoe scored, more or less. We were poor again today. Um, we talked about red flags with Mowbray in the past, and we changed our mind on it after he kind of got some really good results. And I don't think I've changed my mind on it yet personally, but is it concerning? Is there any worries from the past two games, or do you think it's just a case of it's just two poor games and we just move on? No, um, yeah, we're poor. We're, uh, Monday night against West Brom, especially second half. One thing I will say about the day, although we weren't great, we were still in the game um, at all points. Went down to 10 men and you could see that the lads dug in. Mowbray changed it up a little bit um, and the lads dug in and came away with a point with, against, with 10 men. And I don't care what division or what standard you play at, if you are away from home, and you go down to 10 men with nearly half the game to play and you come away with a point. It's it's a good result. I mean, you, you, you can't really look too much into the second half because we did have 10 men. We were always going to be on the back foot a little bit. So, for me, no, I, I was quite happy today, actually, in, in the grand scheme of things, with everything that happened. We haven't even mentioned that they missed a penalty as well. Um, no, um, <clears throat> I, I think get get... I know Blackburn's in a little bit of form. Well, they're, they're doing well in the league. The league position doesn't lie, really. Um, I know there's been a lot of stuff touched on this season. Everyone's in a false position, apparently. But they're not we're halfway through. You are where you are because you deserve to be there. Um, Blackburn will be a tough game. What I'm looking forward to, though, is there'll be a packed stage in my life. There, there will be a lot of people there. Um, everyone will be in a good mood, but the big one is we'll have Ross Stewart back. And I think the atmosphere, you'll see a big lift with Ross Stewart being back in the team at home. Knowing that if we are if we are starting to get a little bit under the cosh, we have got that one player that's we've got a little out ball that something can come from nothing. We'll always have that little bit of confidence. I think that's where the maybe it's a little bit of negativity, the little bit unease at home has been when we've been under the cosh a bit. We've looked and went, well, we've got nothing just to relieve the pressure and kick it up. We've said it on pods for ages. We've had nothing where it's just an outlet, an outball. We've just had to soak up pressure and try to play it out. This time, I think we understand that Blackburn will come. That They'll probably be fancied, to be honest. Um, but I, I think we'll get something on Monday because I think Mowbray will we'll get it right and I think Ross Stewart will start and Pritchard might be back. And Pritchard and Stewart together, we, we know what they're capable of. So... No, I'm, I'm, it's not even an orange flag appearing for me yet. <laughs> um, we're doing well. We're doing all right. We're halfway through the season. We're slap bang in the middle, mate. Couldn't ask yeah. much more. Let's see the second half of the season when we've been saying for weeks, oh, if only we had Stuart, if only we had Ballard. Well, we've got them now. Let's put these teams to the sword and let's improve this home form. Because I think now we've got a little bit more confidence why we have got these players back that we can do start start climbing that table a little bit more. Yeah. Um and just while stuff before I forget, please stop playing Patrick Roberts. I'm, I'm missing. Um 
we've talked a lot about the league being really tight, Dave. So just to kind of finish off here, we've talked a lot about the league being tight. Now, interestingly, at the moment, I think looking at the league table, um, we are, I think, now seven points clear of the bottom three and four points off the playoffs. So maybe the gap to the playoffs is remaining the same, but the gap from the bottom three is extending, which is nice to be honest, because being seven points clear from relegation, yeah, that can flip within three results. I get that, but that's quite nice for where we want to be um, if we're looking at having a consolidating season. Um, But then, (laughs) just as I think the league table starts looking normal again, and it's not just everywhere, I look at this, um, apparently only three points off the playoff, sorry, um, with a superior goal difference, so obviously we're going to get promoted. Um, but um, I think looking at the the Blackburn game, so Blackburn are third off top. They beat Norwich two 0 today, which is a good result, Dave. But bizarrely, we've scored five more goals than Blackburn, and we've conceded the same amount of goals. We're twelfth and they're third, which is just like as soon as I start thinking the league table's normal, I look at a stat like that, and I'm like, eh. Um, but after the Blackburn game, we've got Wigan away and Blackpool away. One team we've beat at home. One team probably could have beat at home as well if I had Ross Stewart. Two teams we'll fancy ourselves against. I certainly do. Um, with us now being seven points clear of, of that bottom three and only that three points off the playoffs, I think. Can we give ourselves a bit of a... Because I think we've had a little bit of a lull with these past two performances, but can with these games coming up, can we give our season a bit of a jump start and maybe, I don't know, start flirting with the playoffs a little bit? Or is it a case of just you know maintaining a little bit of realism and staying where we are? I I just think, listen. I, I think we just need to keep learning lessons. Um, I think that's the way the squad is. I think that's the way. Um, that, I think that's what Tony Mowbray will be telling them as well. We we need to learn lessons for the second half of the season. Listen, the second half against West Brom was unacceptable, and we need to understand the reasons why that happens. If I'm being honest, I think we're probably two old-school, wise-headed midfielders with a bit more mobility away from a good chance of getting in the playoffs. That's where I think we're at. I think everywhere else is absolutely fine. I just think in the middle of the park, listen, Corey Evans, been a revelation ever since Brad had a word with him. Do you know what I mean? Like, he... He sorted him right out. He he needed that word in the ear from Brad, and Brad did Sunderland fans a turn because he's been brilliant since then. But unfortunately for him, he's getting a little bit older. His legs have gone, and he gives us sixty minutes at very best. And I'd probably say his start plateauing out after forty-five. So we need a couple. We and listen, I I'm no Adonis figure to be telling him that that's that his his legs have gone. To be fair. But I think two more, you, you see what Abdullah Bar brings, you see what they're trying to work with and stuff, and he'll be a good player in years to come. But I just think we're a couple of players, and I'm, I'm trying to think of someone, to be fair. Um, Max Power. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I understand why you say that, Brad, but no, not for me. No, me neither. <laughs> George Dobson, maybe? George Dobson, yeah. yeah. Have we got any more suggestions here, lads? Josh I think for me, 
Josh Scown, really. He was, he was very close to getting promoted. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, I think someone, if if you remember back to the years of like when Huddleston left Tottenham and went to Derby right at the beginning, and he, he had about two seasons of kind of sticking out and dictating the play and stuff like that. I'd I'd like that type of figure, um, two of them. But, yeah, I, I think we're exactly where I thought we'd be. <laughs> yeah, Brad's just put in the chat, Jordan Henderson. Jesus, what I'd, what I'd give for it. What I'd give for one last dance. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought we'd flirt with the playoffs at times and I thought we'd finish 10th. I still haven't changed my opinion on that. Um, but, listen, even, even if things went started going wrong, there's three worse teams than us. There's going to be. There was never any danger before the ball was kicked at the beginning of the season of us going down. I don't think it's clear to see that we've got some talented players in there. They just need to to keep learning lessons um, and valuable lessons at that. It's it's annoying when you Jekyll and Hyde, isn't it? That first forty five minutes against West Brom was very very good. Mm. Second half was pretty dire by anyone's standards and Shit. you just need to you, you need to hit them in in the if the first half was a good solid eight out of ten and the second half was a good solid four out of ten if we can be hitting six and seven we'll win more games than we lose so fingers crossed that's where we end up by the way I've just seen a still of um Embleton's tackle uh yeah I take it all back to record um, so ignore everything that I said before. It's a, it's a definite red. He's nearly half the guy. Um, it's an endangering opponent, as Brad said. So yeah, it's um, that's pretty much it from us. Um, until till that, I don't know if there'll be a preview before Blackburn. If I'm honest, um, there might be, there might not be. I don't normally do the midweek games, and it's a Monday. But with it not being a game at the weekend, I might do. I don't know. So if I don't speak to you before Christmas, um, I don't really do soppy, and I don't really do uh serious if I'm honest but but thanks for the support for the podcast over the year it's been really enjoyable to do it's been my favorite year doing podcasts because of the days at Wembley and stuff like that and it's it's great memories for for me and all of us to have and hopefully you've enjoyed it and for the people who have that's great I know not everyone's cup of tea and that's fine that's no bother at all um I think most importantly from my side I just want to thank everyone for uh, your support in sort of April regarding my health that was really appreciated and you know as always like I say we we've loved doing it and uh, Brad, I'm, Dave, I'm, I'm sure you feel the same way. So for, thanks for tuning in. For those who've tried it, not enjoyed it, and just left it and gone, don't like it, but you tried it, thanks for that as well. Yeah. Um, on behalf of myself, the quirky-voiced one, um, <laughs> <laughs> I wish everyone a very Merry Christmas, everyone except Ross Black, um, mm-hmm. because uh, apparently getting his water fixed is more important. But hey mm-hmm. that's what he does. Uh, but yeah, Shopping. wish everyone a very Merry Christmas, a very healthy Christmas. Um, and we'll we'll see you before the New Year, so I'll not move on to the next one. Hi, Dave. Um, I hope you have a good Christmas as well, mate, because you look like Santa Claus again. Well, that's it. Yeah, uh, just echo the sentiments from you guys. It's it's nice that people listen to us. It's nice that some people agree with us. It's, it's not the worst that some people disagree with us. It's the joy of football, isn't it? But uh, it's a bit annoying. Next... Well, it can be a bit annoying, <laughs> but you know, not everyone can be as perfect as us. Can they? <laughs> speak, for you, speak for yourselves. I, speak for yourselves. No fucker, di- no fucker disagrees with me. 
I, I, I'm not too. being funny, but the, this podcast, the, the heading for this podcast is Brad agreed with Dave. I'm taking it. I'm taking yeah. it. And I'm running to the hills. <laughs> right. Thanks very much, everyone, for listening. Like I say, like we've all said, have a great Christmas. Have a cracking one. If Catch you later. Thanks, lads, as always. Merry Christmas, everybody. All the best. Merry Christmas. What the hell was that? Guess who's back? Back, back, back again. Shady's back.